gonna go for it. Hello, everyone out there in the Mutiny Radio Airwaves and beyond. We're going to start up our happy hour open mic as everyone's doing dabs at uh, Barbary Coast. And we're sitting back here at 21st in Florida thinking about it right now. Any dabbers out there? Yeah, gosh, I remember the first dab bar I ever went to. It's pretty dreamy. You know, instead of getting like a boiler maker, you just take a, you know, a cannabis infused drink with a dab. Pretty fun. All right. So we got a loaded list tonight. Please welcome your first comedian of the night. We got James coming up. officially the smallest set I've ever done. Originally it was four. <laughs> now we're down to three. I guess, yeah, three. So, yeah, uh, I like sex. Do you guys like sex? Yeah, uh, fuck, I'm so high right now. <laughs> you ever get high on the train without headphones? That's when you're locked in with your thoughts. And you just feel like everyone's watching you. But I'm more economically stable when I'm high because I spend a lot of money on takeout. And so I get so high that I become too uncomfortable around people where I can't interact with a cashier or anything. Yeah. You guys hear what's going on to the Oakland A's? Of course you have, right? Yeah, it's sad, right? But it happened to the Warriors, happened to the Raiders, now it's happening to the A's. I feel like Oakland sports teams are just the beginning of 8 Mile. Where he's just like, I gotta get out of this town. <laughs> I've never seen 8 Mile. I just assume that's what it's about. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was about to go on Wikipedia and look up plot of 8 Mile before I got up here. <laughs> I keep looking to the right of me, but there's nobody here. It's just like a force of habit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another sports news. The Women's World Cup is coming up. You guys gonna watch that? That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to watch more women's sports. I really like college women's basketball. Um, but it's really hard for me to separate the woman from the player because, like, I love watching the game, but every time I watch it, I wonder, I wonder how many of them are on their period right now. Because that makes it more interesting. Like, let me put it this way. I think the greatest athletic performance in history is Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan flu game in the 96 finals, right? Now imagine if that happens once a month. Then that raises the stakes, right? <laughs> you know, I think that'd be interesting. I, I, I think it'd be cool if they commentated on it. They're just like, Johnson dishes it to Bird. That's a three. It's her time of the month, but this is her game of the year. Now we're gonna go to our on-field reporter, uh, Emily Dickinson. That's the first woman's name I could think of. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Skip. This is gonna be an uphill battle for the Indianapolis Fever because uh, four of their five players are on their period, except for Sue Johnson, because she is six days late and she doesn't know who the father is. We'll see how that impacts her performance. 
uh, that was funnier when I was sober. <laughs> oh, it's weird. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, uh, my friend, he's been going to therapy, and uh, he told me that his therapist told him that the more you joke about a sexual fetish, the more likely you are to, to, to get that fetish yourself. It's so hard to word things right now. <laughs> so anyway, he told me that, and uh, I just thought, man, I got to stop making pedophile jokes because I don't want it to be five years around. Like, ah, oh, shit, the joke's on me. Okay, I'm going to let you guys go. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Wow. Another time for the uh, way to kick it off. That was that was great. Really funny. We got we are filled with comedy tonight. We got the, the comedy crawl happening as we speak. We got a loaded open mic list right now. Got somebody else who just walked in. And right now, I'd like to welcome your next comedian to the stage, uh, Sean. <laughs> Very aggressively. <laughs> It's just happening. It's just happening. This is going to be part of the set. Fuck. Fuck. Get out of here. Okay. Hi. Fuck it. <laughs> what is this? Hello? No, it just happens. Okay, I'm just going to live with it. This is... Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello? 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 Uh Oh, yeah. I think... You got it mostly. Okay, I don't know. Okay, what are we going to say? I got to do some jokes for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to move it over here now. I I like mosh pits because um, white people couldn't dance, so they decided to go with the alternative, which was beat the shit out of each other. I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> Just that. I don't know if I want to say this line right now. Um, I'll get to it. I got to build up to, I got to say something at least. Maybe. Um, I think, uh, Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I realize a lot of people I know have become sex workers. Yeah, which is fun. It is It is really fun to jack off to your friends, but um, it, it, I just feel like it takes a lot of confidence to think someone's willing to pay for pictures of you. Because, like, I... I don't feel like I could ever do that. I, I feel like like I'm more of a sex volunteer. My whole sex life is donation based. I receive a lot of hand me downs. That's fucking too much, huh? 
I don't even want to finish this because the other two lines are. Or it's we're such a small audience. This is <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe I'll do that other one. I'll, I'll, can I, I'll throw out an idea to you guys while I'm here. You know how people like like not everyone thinks they can get hypnotized, right? Like hypnotism only works on some people. Oh, I don't know if that has anything to do with this, but I was thinking like what if is there like a more long-term hypnotism you could do to kind of like work someone into it, you know, over time? Like is gaslighting a form of hypnotism? Uh, I, I I didn't have a joke there. I just wanted to make that point. I also have here it says the mob did 9-11, but I don't also have a joke for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll do this last thing. I, I don't ever say that I don't like foods because I don't really understand that mindset. Because like, like blue cheese is something that's like ruined dishes for me my whole life. It just feels like it's way too, it's talking over all the other flavors. But I, uh, I still don't say I hate blue cheese. I just don't think I've had the right blue cheese dish, right? Which is the same reason I tell people that I'm bi. Because I've never had a dick that I enjoyed or... Or even asked for. But... I'm sure there's one out there for me. <laughs> okay. All right, that was my last one. Killed it. All right, we got your next comedian coming up. Please welcome up to the stage here. We got Wally. Crowd serving it. Pack crowd on a fucking Friday. Hell yeah. Oh, what's up, dog? You can come in, bro. It's a free show. Okay. No, you just walk by. That's cool. Um, uh, you couldn't do a little bit of... Uh, you couldn't tell by my by the how I look now, but I used to be a drug dealer when I was younger. I, I try to hide a lot of that part of myself, but every once in a while it comes out. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out at my cousin's house. Uh, my nephew was doing homework, uh, math homework, and he yells to his dad, Dad! What's an eighth? And it just came out at thirty dollars. It's like sixty-five if you want top shelf shit. He screamed, screamed out, "What?" I was like, Shh, "Don't, don't ever, don't mind, don't mind. It's just oregano." Tw tell him twenty bucks, twenty bucks. Um, one one unwritten rule about selling drugs or like getting out of the game. I feel like you should tell somebody when they want to get out is a uh, move out of the city that you used to service, or else you'll just have really weird interactions, like a. Uh, not too long ago, I uh, I saw a guy that I used to sell crack to at the mall with his daughter. And uh, it was weird because we made eye contact, but then like we avoided each other as if we were secret lovers before. It was just like, oh, shit. And we were walking the other way. But then um, but then I had heard his I had overheard his daughter and she caught the vibe. She's like, did you know that guy? And we both we both screamed, no. And it, it was it kind of hurt me a little bit because it was around the time where I started doing therapy. So then I just like broke down a bit. So I ran to the bathroom and I just like wiped my face off and looked in the mirror. I'm like, like, what did I do wrong? Like, is it me? Like, what am I doing here? You know, 
I, I was the problem. I was selling them crack. So, I mean, yeah, that is, it was definitely me. I was the problem. I was the problem. I, uh, do you guys like smoking weed? Yeah, hell yeah. Well, I, I, I like smoking weed. I don't like buying it. Uh, not only because I'm a former drug dealer, but, uh, you know, there's too many types of strains these days. Like, I grew up on two types of strains, guys. It was like the shitty kind and the kind that you think that makes you think you're going too slow in a parked car. Yeah, like, now there's just way too many different strains. Like, I smoked Avengers strains of weed the a couple weeks, like, not too long ago. Like, they have Avengers weed. Like, I smoked a Black Widow weed. Made me feel really sexy. Uh, uh, I smoked I smoked Iron Man weed. Went Made me want to do uh, cocaine. Uh, but then I had to stop smoking Captain America strains because it made me want to build a wall afterwards. I, I really couldn't tell what was going on at that time. Hell yeah. I, um, yeah, that's cool. Um, I watched, you guys watched the new Little Mermaid? No? Uh, that's my first time watching the new Little Mermaid. I watched the new one. She's black, if you didn't know that. And I, I feel like it wasn't a great representation. I feel like it was a bad representation, honestly, because if you break it down... The story is about a woman, a black woman who grows legs, and the first thing she do thinks about is getting some white dick. And I don't, I feel like that's not a really good message to be sending to our black queens, everybody. Like, you, you got this newly minted vagina, and you're gonna put some white cock in it? Like, that's, that's not, that's not really good. That's not good. It, it had a lot of mixed reviews, honestly, and I, I read a lot of, like, think pieces on this movie. One one of them one of them uh, was this dude who complained about how the um, the time frame was around the 1800s, so it didn't it didn't talk about like the slave trade, you know what I mean? And you gotta think to yourself, like, bro, this is the Disney movie. Like, this dude wants 12 years a slave slash Little Mermaid, or like he he wants the roots slash Little Mermaid. He wants like to chop off her fucking fin and then make her put her in chains or some shit. Like, what do you? What are we doing over here, guys? All right, I need more black people for that joke to work, honestly. But it's cool. It's cool. Um, no, I um, that movie did kind of inspire me, though, because, uh, you know, that and uh, the movie Hamilton really inspired me because, uh, you know, they're recreations with, you know, different casted faces. So it inspired me to write this book, to write this, uh, to write a film for next year that I want to release. It's the Death Row Records film. Yeah, uh, except it'll be an all-Asian cast. So I'll have uh, Joe Coy playing Suge Knight, uh, Aziz Ansari as Tupac, and then I'm, I really want to get Steven Yoon as Snoop Dogg. So I, I, so it's going to be really good. It's a lot of N-words thrown out by Asians. So it's, basic, it's basically like living in San Francisco or L.A. anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is Tupac's birthday today. You know, I actually knew that too. That's weird. That's weird that you knew that, J-Dub. I don't, it's weird that you, I know other men's birthdays that I've never met before. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, what, what else did I have for that representation? Oh, um, I think representation is a little bit overused right now, honestly. Like, people want representation in the weirdest places, in like, unfamiliar places. Like, uh, the trans community is really mad at J.K. Rowling because, like, there isn't a trans character in Harry Potter. But, like, look, Lest we forget, like, I don't know if you know this, but the only Asian character in Harry Potter, uh, her name is Cho Chang. And that's, like, one syllable away from, like, Kung Pao Chicken. 
So, I mean, like, with all due respect to the trans community, I don't think, like, J.K. Rowling is the ally you're looking for. Like, I'm pretty sure you can look in other places for that. All right, cool. Uh, I'll finish with this one. Oh, am I, am I good so far? Am I? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, thank you. Um, I've been traveling a lot lately, going to L.A. and San Diego, and I'd have to make some stops uh, to rest a bit. Uh, I made stops in um, Bakersfield. Yeah, if you don't know Bakersfield, it's like California's own Mississippi. Yeah, like if you're like if you're looking for if you're looking for like deep Southern racism at a discounted rate for a weekend, like I highly recommend it over there, because like Bakersfield is so racist. Even the Mexicans think they're white. That's how good they are. Like I uh, I stopped at a McDonald's and then over the intercom I heard you don't belong here. And I, was, I looked over at the counter. I'm like, bro, you're four shades of immigrant darker than I am, dog. And you can't even say I without the J properly. I mean, like, if we really want to get it popping with ice over here or La Migra, like, we really can, bro. Just go get my Big Mac and stop staring at me with your cock eye one time, okay? Okay. Thanks. Uh, I think that's it for me. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'm Wally Hippolito. And the open mic happy hour continues. Give it up for your next comedian, Ariel. Coming up here. It's a great crowd tonight, small but mighty. I'm Ariel, and I always feel like I stick out like a sore thumb in here. Not because I'm like the only woman. <laughs> Um, it's usually because I feel like I look like I'm coming from a Nashville bachelorette party. Because uh, I always rock the cowgirl boots to open mics, and that is intentional. I always want to feel like I have the confidence of a drunk bitch singing Kenny Chesney in a Nashville karaoke bar. Like, that's the vibe I'm going for. Um, you guys, I haven't talked about this much yet here, but I am a little bit bi. Coastal, not sexual. <laughs> so I split my time actually between California and Virginia. And before living in Virginia, I used to think of Virginia as being the South. And then I started dating a man who's from Houston. And uh, now I realize it's not the South. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> Virginia is uh, the southernmost part of the mid-Atlantic, but the real South is definitely like further down. Um, I just got back from Virginia yesterday, and uh, it was a really good trip. Um, I spent a few weeks there, and I actually got to meet my boyfriend's mom who lives in somewhere called Frankleton, Louisiana. Now, Frankleton, Louisiana is uh, the kind of place where uh, Southern racism, and our friend Wally was just talking about that, uh, very prevalent, very prevalent. And she is a Southern Baptist. So the first time meeting her, she asks me what kind of church I go to. <sighs> I was born and raised in the Bay Area, y'all. I don't, I don't fucking go to church. <laughs> so how, how do you answer this question? 
the church of say please and thank you, the church of be nice to your elders, the church of I might be the one who's going to give you a grandkid. So <laughs> be nice to me. <laughs> anyway, any of you guys have pets for children? What do you have? Do you have a cat, dog, rabbit, two cats? How old are they? One is 10 and one is three. Are they best friends? No. You see, when cats live together, they don't naturally become siblings, right? Like, they, they kind of either fucking hate each other or they develop some co sort of, like, weird codependency. Like, my boyfriend's cats, um, he has two. One is, like, 17, and the other one is six. So similar age gap. Like, we've got a geriatric and, <laughs> like, a, a middle-aged, or, like, young middle-aged. The cat, I'm, like, 32. The cat's probably, like, my age, basically. Um, and they have this weird codependent thing where the old cat just, like, poops right on top of the litter box and the young cat decides it's his mission now to cover it up to save them from all the predators that are going to attack them in the apartment um yeah cats are weird um i'm not sure if i'm ready to be a cat stepmom but it might be in my future so do i still have time okay <laughs> You were just really enjoying the sound of my voice. It's okay. <laughs> and what? We we have a really full list tonight. Should I just like keep talking for the <laughs> just for just for the next hour? Just be up here talking. Make it a podcast. It'll be good. All right. I think I've had enough. But y'all are great. And yeah. Enjoy the rest of the comedy fest. Oh, wow. Here we are. The happy hour open mic. So, yeah, we, anybody out there listening, we do have a comedy crawl that's happening right now. So, Pamtastic, I'm filling in for her tonight. I, um, I don't know. A dab sounds pretty nice right now. I can go for a dab. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I was at OMG the other night. I um, ordered a Hurricane Sandy, and they gave me a watered-down Manhattan. Yeah, uh, somebody came up to to me at a the bar. They asked me if I had a girlfriend. I said no. And they asked me if I had a boyfriend. I said no. I said I was by myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were talking about you were talking about pets earlier. Does anybody have any pets? Somebody here has pets, right? You have a cat, two cats. Wow, that's great. Little company. I'd love to have pets, but um, unfortunately, my place they don't allow pets. Um, but it came with a mouse. <laughs> so do I get to keep the mouse? I know a lot of these, you know, pet deposits, there's a lot of pet deposits, and it's based on the weight of the animal. So if I have like a six ounce mouse, what is that, like a 25 cent deposit? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how that would work. But um, yeah, I brought my mom um, 
last year at the Folsom Street Fair thing, and it was a farmer's market. Never did find the vegetables we were looking for. Um, <laughs> happy Pride to everyone out there. Yeah. Um, you know the difference between a vegan and a vegetarian. Huh? One of them has friends. <laughs> but if uh, two vegans get in a fight, is that considered to be beef? Still trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, so I remember first keys, I got to my apartment. Um, I got my first apartment in the Tenderloin. And I was walking up Polk Street. I was with a friend, with a girlfriend of mine. And this guy, he was saying, Crystal, Crystal. I was like, well, my name's not Crystal, and her name's not Crystal. And so I put together, he was trying to sell me Crystal. <laughs> the true story, yeah. Um, yeah, so this comedy crawl is going to be really fun. Tomorrow, uh, Tony Sparks, I don't know if you heard of Tony Sparks, he's uh, going to be doing that last cafe tomorrow. Then we're going over to Asiento's at 4 o'clock, and then back to, I think we're going to end up back here at 6 o'clock tomorrow, so kind of a special occasion. But uh, let's see, I usually have a cheat sheet. I just didn't, I thought that this list would be super packed. Um, i trying to think of, you know the one time a truck driver's a rock star? when he's hauling oats. <laughs> yeah, I think that concludes our, our comedy thing. I, I don't have my cheat sheet. I have so much respect now, I'm more of a guitar player. But I feel like you kind of needed something to look at, you know? Because I have a bunch of um, I have a bunch of jokes, but that, I think that's all I remember. Well, thank you all for coming out. Come out to the Muni Radio Comedy Crawl that is happening all this weekend. And we will catch you soon.
W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T, that's W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. Every Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard, we stream first here on MutinyRadio.fm. Yes, every Sunday, make a habit of it. 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, you listen to MutinyRadio.fm for L-W-A-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. It is also a podcast. You know what? It stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Right, Carl? Hi, Carl. Right. Hey, Mike. Right. What's up? W-L-A-F-L. Your drive time, DJ. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. 
that acronym is also our podcast. So if you don't have time on Sundays to listen, you can listen Sunday night with our podcast description. And bonus, we're on the video on YouTube where you can watch us right now at our not YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We do this every week. You listen to our podcast. You watch the movie at the same time. Carl, what is the movie this week? Heart Bleeps. We will watch today Heart Bleeps 1981. It's one word. You go to your YouTube search engine and you put in heart, like boom, 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 boom. And then bleep, right. like I don't know what, like a curse word? No, like a robot bleeps. Beeps, beeps, beeps. I'm screwing up the audience. Heart beeps. Oh, I'm such a jerk. B-E-E-P-S. Heart, one word, heart, B-E-E-P-S, 1981. Sorry, audience. The channel no like is Ishka. Ishka, I-S-H-K-A-H. Uh, Ishka is hosting it, and he has it like it's almost uh, part of a, a playlist. It's number 41, Heart Beeps, starring Andy Kaufman, and then in right. parentheses, 1981. Really excited. This is a film I've heard about since 1981. I never mm -hmm. had a chance to see this movie, so lucky us, huh? Yeah, probably because yeah. it bombed. And I, I want to give a shout out to my buddy uh, FM DeMarco, uh, for his movie podcast, his movie Facebook page recommended this link and finally found a link to Heartbeeps. So, Heartbeeps. I, I, I follow his father on uh, AM. AM. Uh... Oh yeah. Well, you know what, old man? I listen to uh, I listen to FM tomorrow. I think it's something to say. AM tomorrow. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I remember Great. it tomorrow. Wow, we are all over the place. So. Here's what we're going to do. We want you to go find that link that is course number 41.heartbeeps starring Andy Kaufman, 1981. And then go ahead, press the link, hit pause, move the timer to zero, zero. We should mention there's ads in this. Yes. So yes. when you hit it, there's probably going to be an ad. Let the ad play, hit skip ad, and then hit pause when you get to the real meat of the movie. Rather short movie today. Uh, but... Once you get it paused and all ready and all set to go, heart beeping, when we say go, we want you to hit play and start the movie along with us so we can let us watch full length. Carl, we have a special comedian, celebrity comedian, to yes. do our celebrity comedian countdown. Take it calling. away, Carl. Okay. Good evening, Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. <clears throat> all right. Why did you play that clip where you're playing that clip where you're playing that clip? Money. Listen, I'm recording my podcast. Would you do our countdown? Sure. All right. This is Johnny Watson. He's a big time star. He was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he was in, he's streaming right now on that John Lennon Netflix film. Um, he was uh, what? <laughs> he's 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 in this new movie called Fly Guys that's coming out. He was the star of this documentary called Last in Class. Ladies and gentlemen, counting us down from three. It's Johnny Watson. go wow thank you carl's friend on the phone my name is crime buster 00719 oh this movie's all over the place what's going on we'll get to opening credits in a minute it just starts in this awkward way in media res 
In the middle of shit. <laughs> In the middle of shit. Welcome to the movie. We got a hostage negotiation happening right now. You see the tree stump? It's threatening him. He's a cop. He's a robot cop. Crime buster. There must be a way I can mute this. Uh, yes. Uh, you can mute it. And it seems, is this a really talking movie, Carl? Yes, it's a very talky movie. Ron Gans is the voice of Crime Buster. And Ron, I didn't look you up. I was not impressed. <laughs> I'm so apologetic, Ron. Well, I, I recognize he's one of those, that guy's from Hollywood. You see that <laughs> robot, you're like, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. Well, that robot, Mike, it's really interesting. It's from the $6 million man. Um, it was just they retooled it. And to use it in the, it was from an episode of the Six Million Dollar Man, and they just, you know, put a few more bells and whistles on it. I remember that's when Steve Austin taunted the other robots. Ha ha! I got a penis. <laughs> Andy Kaufman. How many movies has Andy Kaufman been in? Zero, right? Yeah, he was. Um, let's see here. I have him right here. Yeah, his name is Val, and we're getting to meet him right now. He's a robot. Um, hardly any. He was all over TV. You see, he was in negotiations for a movie about Tony Clifton, but they didn't have confidence in him because they didn't know if he was a star or not. You know, he could do it. So they right. put him in this film as a test. Wow, what an expensive test. Yeah, yeah, $12 million. And that's like, this is what, early 80s money? Yeah, now they made two million one hundred and fifty-four thousand. Like they lost ten million dollars on this film. Now here's Randy Quaid on the left. Well, yeah, on the left. Oh, the big guy. The one with the yeah, mega hat. From uh I guess you could say he's uh from National Lampoon's Vacation, right? That's how everyone knows yeah. him. I, I know him from tabloid newspapers from across the country in Canada. Ah, for his latest crazy antics. His, yeah, aunt, he, uh, he... his uncle is okay, but his antics is crazy, man. <laughs> and this is Kenneth McMillan. He's a character actor. You would know him from, like, Dune. And um, he always plays these, like, gruff, hostile characters. Uh, he was in Rhoda for years. He's a character actor. You'll know his face. Right now, sure. we're looking at his ears. Now, they just manufactured him and they're going to let him go? or? Well, he's come in for repairs. Something's wrong. He's got to get fixed. So they're just warehousing him until it's time. Man, that makeup must be crazy. Yeah, it is. And the guy's like a award winner. He didn't win an Oscar, but he was nominated. He, his, his name is Stan Winston. And sure. he, was, he lost the Oscar to um, American Werewolf in London. We can understand why he did. Right. But, what a uh, year. Okay, I got an ad going. Ad, four, three, uh, two. Hannah Rea. Why would you have something called Dan? Hey, Angelinos, mm -hmm. don't tell me where I am. Stop specifying location. Skip ad. Sorry, that should be Denver. Skip ad. Is there a way I could skip the... Yeah, you could skip the ad. Skip the ad. I'm clicking skip ad. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I skip on the actual. Skip. 
Ah, there, few. Ah, hey, Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Now, who should his bunkmate be here on a high shelf in a store in a warehouse? But another model. This model, you see, he's Val. He's Valcom seventeen four eight five, and he's like a stockbroker kind of like a commodities trader kind of robot. I know and his Bern brother, Vic twenty. <laughs> yeah. Vic Valcom Valcom one seven four eight five. We're gonna call him Val. And she is Aquacom eight nine zero four five. Now they didn't know about dot coms at that point, right? Valcom right. and Aquacom must be computer though. Which is it's what dot com computer is. It isn't. Um and she is like a, a robot for parties. And not for sex, but for, like, um, serving at pool parties mostly. But other social functions, too. Like serving tray and engaging in conversation. Hey, have you checked out my Bernadette Peters bot? <laughs> no, that sounds really interesting. Oh, Bernadette Peters bot. Uh, yeah, if I had a Bernadette Peters bot, I would have big plans for her. She I would, would ask be... her about her career, human's career. You know, what was it like to be working with... The robot probably can't answer because it doesn't know what it's like to, to work with other humans. Sigourney Weaver was offered this role to be Bernadette Peters' role, and she really wanted to do it. And her agent was like, come on, what are you, crazy? What is Sandy Kaufman? Ridiculous. It's a pretty crazy premise. Actress. What's that? It's a pretty crazy premise. I remember Alan Arquish. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he's the director. He did a bunch of cool movies. Don't we like one of his films? Go Crazy or something? Go Bananas? Well, there's Get Crazy in nineteen. Get Crazy. Yeah, I like that one. Okay, I get it mixed up with Going Bananas. Engage and talk. Oh, all right. Hang on. Uh, and we will hear Andy Kaufman. I just say Nation. It's Aquacom. Aquacom. I am being custom reconditioned as a companion hostess that's for how they talk to us during this movie and yeah functions. and it's how she'll talk throughout my observation concerning the I beauty do like the of sunset. the sunset the sunset is pretty yeah the director did do a good job now this guy started with like with Roger Corman what what no no come on come on oh I thought you were talking hang on well by the time I unmute I, I miss that however for the Calm series robots, charm increases desirability and is therefore valuable knowledge. I too am in the companion series. You hear it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I want to hear more. I am Valcom 17485. Function? Okay, I don't want to hear any more. Okay. Wow, that is really annoying. Well, that's the movie. Great. But it's endearing and sweet. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times with sound, and they're playing the nice music. John Williams did the music, by the way. Yeah. The producer who worked on this was also with John Williams on uh, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, so they pulled him in. It's a really beautiful soundtrack, but, like, John, that's like hitting it, fixing it with a hammer, you know? I mean, it's too, he's too good for this film. 
Well, Stan, Stan Winston is a pretty impressive special effects guy. And yeah. just by losing to Rick Baker that year, it just shows how crazy uh, competition was. But they're all like stellar people. This movie, like, I remember when it came out in the theaters and the ad campaign looked really weird. Yeah. Really you, you can't really say that for many films. The taglines are funny. Um, meet a modern nuclear family unlike any other. Well, that's not funny. Um, yeah, they're not funny. Okay. Excuse me. The other tagline is wanted. Be on the lookout for this gang of misfit robots. It's really actually not good tags at all, is it? <laughs> oh, well, I'll be on the lookout. People will be like, Mike, that was a movie poster. You don't really have to look out for misfit <laughs> robots. Now, there will be a thunderstorm, and during this thunderstorm, they will both be scared. In this movie, robots totally have emotions. Do they really? Anthony Quinn, should I get it? It's Anthony Quinn. I won't get it. Um, no, I don't. What was I saying? They have emotion in this. You'll see. Go ahead. Come on. Why don't you be? Don't be stingy on the mute this episode. Okay, hang on. Just give me a second. I'm doing this old-fashioned style. I gotta uh, manually do stuff. Okay. Okay, hang on. Classic uh, Look at that. Last They're editing. Not, no, I want to hear it. Uh, yeah, you're just gonna hear a thunderstorm, Mike. Yeah, I told you. Give me a break. Wait, hang on. One... Old school. I have to manually click the button. Yeah, you have to manually. Yeah. It's old that school. Looks... Man, I got to switch browser windows. Oh, you do? I... Yeah, I can't see you, Carl. I have. I want to see okay. you. I, Watch the do... movie. I guess so. This is okay, some pretty well, cool. So now the storm is calming, so they're not being, you know holding hands and being scared, but they like suddenly, see, they don't like each other like love or something, like it will grow into that. Or now, are they going to be future? trying to telegraph that? Uh-oh. Yeah. Training. Oh, 007 spy bot. <laughs> crime buster, crime buster. Crime buster. Now that, I just tickles me pink that this is from a TV show with uh and it's six million dollar man right this guy's great mike don't be stingy on the mute button with this guy and don't do it now don't do it now throughout our film be ready by the time i press the button they're gonna talk now is this james coco is this uh paul dooley no um kill the kid you know what? Okay, it's Barry Diamond. Oh, I know Barry Diamond. I didn't look him up. I he's looked up. Like, I'm not going to say poor man's Bobcat, but he was in uh, Bachelor Party as a crazy friend. Oh. Uh, he's he's really funny. He's, he was in National Lampoon's Class Reunion, which we saw back in the day. Yes, we did. And uh, it's, it's, he's always a welcome presence. Uh, he's a, he did a bunch of comedy albums in the 80s. Rainbow. Pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah. It's like, what is the function of a rainbow? 
Your laughing sense is designed to pick up all the colors on the spectrum that the human eye can detect? Yes. He got to perform with Carol Kane, too, in Taxi. So he's, he's performed with Bernadette Peters and Carol Kane. Now, Bernadette Peters was all about Broadway. We think of her as a movie star, because that's how we know right. her, but really, most all of her career was Broadway. And of course, she was in The Jerk, and you know, she was, she was in a lot of films. Um, Pennies from Heaven, Annie, the, she was on Carol Burnett Show, The Muppet Show, she was in Silent Movie, but really, she won Tony Awards, she was nominated all the time, she was really a... I always associate her with uh, Mel Brooks movies, too. Mm-hmm, yep. And Kimmy Schmidt, wasn't she the landlord on that show? I think so. Or no, that's probably Carol Kane. I got it mixed up, god damn it. I don't know who Carol Kane is. Can you believe that? She looks exactly like Bernadette Peters. Oh, here's Barry Diamond. Hang on. Let me manually click it. Now, this is a very delicate machine. It's not right to just oh, tell Andy me what's Clay. right. Speaking of right, I'm staying Randy. at this gorgeous hotel. I told the clerk, I got a leak in the sink. He said, go ahead. Customer's always right. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, that's my act. <laughs> I so, got a um, leak in my sink. Yeah, they underutilized uh, Randy Quaid here because he plays a straight guy the whole time, which we've seen him do before. But he's really yeah, he's a always like a big actor. Bug. Well, in the seventies, he was like a serious actor. One uh, for his Cuckoo's Nest, the last detail. Yeah, the last detail for sure. I don't know if he was in Cuckoo's Nest. Well, don't so quote me on Cuckoo's Nest. Do you think that, like, National Lampoon movie, you know, Vacation, really suddenly, now he's a comedic actor? Well, I mean, he also was on SNL, like, during that weird year as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, with Martin Short and... Harry Shearer, like, they just... Oh, uh, Anthony Hall, Michael Anthony Hall, and, and Robert Downey Jr., wasn't it him? Yeah. They just stacked that show. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, all right. Click. Hang on. Click. And he didn't hear the weasel. Oh, I miss. I just, yeah. I just got his punchline. Yeah. <laughs> right, every bit where they, the guy tells a joke, you, you start with the punchline, and that's not what the monkey said. And then everyone goes, <laughs> <laughs> "That's right. That's classic." That I, I remember that most like. They'd be at a um, one time, like the Flintstones got rich, they were having a cocktail party, and that was what <laughs> <So> the monkey <laughs> says. <laughs> the scene opens up with him telling, finishing a joke. Yeah, it's all living. <laughs> oh no, uh, oh, I'm clicking oh, skip back. I'm clicking Distant skip back. Mountains. I need to take a field trip. With a highly intelligent companion okay, how to come help me no... collect, oh, store, and interpret data. I lack such a unit. So Barry <laughs> Diamond has a plan for these two? No. No, he's a third unit. Are they robot small talking? No, Doesn't he's proposing that they leave there and go. He wants to go out and gather data about lumber. 
which is what he trades in commodities, you see. So he thinks this will help his primary function. And he needs, he desires a unit to assist him with processing and interpretation of data. And she's like, I am such a unit. Cute. Oh, wow. So they really met cute in this movie. Yeah, this movie is cute throughout the whole thing. That's a good way to explain it. And uh, this this wasn't a hit. This was a big bomb. And uh, Andy Kaufman, like, shot his own foot in a way because he didn't get... Uh, okay, I don't know. He didn't... This wasn't his baby. You know what I mean? They gave him the right. script. They put him in it. Um, so it's a little unfair. But... Uh, and also, look, they green-lighted his budget... Not him, it's the director and the producer. They greenlighted the budget with under this mistake of R2-D2 and C-3PO are very popular with kids. Can you imagine, Carl? God damn it. Get me production. We need an R2-D2 movie in right. the pipelines now. What about this Kaufman kid? We've been looking to try him out. Yeah, Perfect. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You mean that Tony oh. Clifton pick? Do you I'm recognize so the character actor? I recognize the board game. Aren't they playing Hungry Hungry Finger Pointer? Mm-hmm. That's Hungry Hungry Finger Pointer. <laughs> <laughs> Who left the fridge door open? Mike! I don't, rec I don't recognize any of them. What's up, Carl? He's saying, like, I got my wife the... Clean up bot and she loves it. I don't know. This truck and its contents might be valuable to us. Yeah, so let's just save us steal time it. and energy depreciation. Oh man. These robots have gone bad. <laughs> yeah, they're breaking bad that. in a, in the uh that camper. Um where is um God damn it, what's his name? Catskill, Catskill model. Checky? Jackie. I thought I made that name up. I didn't. Checky's a real name? Checky Green's like one of the world's most famous Catskills comedians. Oh, okay, okay. I In uh, Life's Laugh Lessons, I named the guy Shacky, and nobody batted an eye. I didn't know I was paying homage. Yeah, that's right, you so, were. They, there was a Jewish humor magazine called Shecky Magazine for a while. <laughs> now, right now, she's being a like kind of wife. She's like, my danger sense is... Why don't you reach... You know, could you reduce speed, please? Please check map. I don't need map, honey. Please right, check right. map. So it's like, what'd you do with the robots? They're not there. The fuck? Now Randy Quaid and and um, gosh, his name's Max. Max okay. and Charlie. Stupid names. Um, oh, here, here we go. Is that Ned Beatty? You two get pressure. And Good guess. Good guess. Look, Rob, try to don't look Rob and me. God damn it! It's Richard Stahl, who we saw in Hopscotch. Right? Isn't he? Isn't he Arliss? Best known as Arliss. I don't think no. so. 
Nope. Well, he's I best known for Splash. He was the doctor in Splash. Gotcha. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Run off and, and find, find us like known. unicorn. So it's like you guys gotta go, gotta leave the complex and go find him. They're in Colorado. They shot in Colorado. Now nice. it was warm in Colorado, so it really limited the time in which they could have the makeup on. It would start to melt's not the right word. It would start to go bad. Yeah, I mean it looks really restrictive. The the robot robot makeup looks cool. Don't get me wrong. Like I would love it looks to like have that. Robots. Yeah, totally. I don't know about the robot with the mouth open to the side. I feel uncomfortable being served food from it. <laughs> I think it'll be mocking me. <laughs> Crime Buster 007. No relation. The James Bond. I got that joke right. Oh, Carl, I watched this movie. Ip, I don't know if you, you're a fan of uh, Ip Man. But the fourth one, uh, Ip Man's in San Francisco in the 1950s. He's the guy who taught Bruce Lee there were no IP uh, addresses in the 1950s. Well, they have, they're in a military base and it's, it's a Chinese production and they have English in it. So the drill sergeant is like, bust your ass. And at one point he goes, uh, put the banana in the tailpipe. Oh, really? From Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Yeah. I think the movie was 2003, but the drill sergeant yells at them, banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> we're not following any banana in the tailpipe. It sounds like the military is yelling that. God, I love it. Ip Man, really good. So Ip Man for the finale. Val ran us off the road, you know, because <laughs> you know, awkward was right. He was driving crazy. And um now they gotta figure stuff out, you know. They're a little trapped. So they're in Colorado right now, even though it looks like they just shot somewhere. It looks like they shot in your backyard, girl. No, that looks. Look at those pines. That All looks right. like Colorado. Nice. You see that like cooling shade, even though it's hot as shit. That the pines give. Yeah. That's that kind of forest. Now Barry Diamond was with them all the time. Yeah, he's the third he's the wheel. Best. Literally, okay, now, right? They've got all these spare parts, and now that the truck has crashed. They've got to carry him, and that's not efficient, okay? And Val is efficient. So what he does is he and Bernadette Peters assemble a unit, a little robot, with all their spare parts. And what this you know, becomes really yeah. is their child. Oh! Ah! 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 Phew! Thank you. I, for a second, I wanted a beer. There he is. That's our kid. Kid bot. Right. Hello, you are listening to AM DeMarco. <laughs> my, your dad, dad, this is my show. Sorry, FM. Wow, there was a lot of shitty robots in the early 80s. I, I can't, these robots are not as bad as Disney's The Black Hole robots. Oh, those were horrible. Those were like Sam and Bob. Big, yeah, but this guy. Oh, I think there's a Christian analogy going through the black hole. <laughs> Shut up, Bob. 
that robot smoking a cigar. I think they only made one of him, and they said we should not make a second one. <laughs> he's a cat. He's a, he's the stand-up comedian. You can have him for the night. He's a cat skills model. Oh, I got you. Funny thing happened on the way to the yeah, yeah. Humor processing now. Humorous insert humorous humorous story. Now the person who really is going to end up loving his jokes is um uh the little guy. What's his name? How can I not remember what his name is? There was a lot of names I saw in the opening credits, like a lot of people I recognize. Phil, Phil. Okay, so I don't understand this, and I should have researched this. It says Jerry Garcia as Phil's voice. Can you believe that? Phil is the little... Um, How would that, that be possible? I, I, I think it's possible. The director used to work when he was a kid at NYU. He used to work at the Fillmore East, and the Grateful Dead went in and out of there a lot. A lot of stars did. Sure. But... Let me just look at this up and at a cocktail party I was I do remember like when this movie came out, it's robots walking around in the forest. Yes, it is. There's something <laughs> weird about there's something weird about that. Like it's cool. Well, okay. As you know, robots run on electricity. So what happens? If you run out of electricity, ooh, ooh, I know. Teach, pick, pick me. Ooh, um, ooh. Spiegelman. It's it's pronounced Spiegelman, uh, Mister Goy. Uh, they they don't robot. What? They don't robot. I don't know. Yeah, they stop roboting. <laughs> no mo. Nomo Roboto. Nomo. <laughs> Nomo Gato, Mr. Uh, Nomo Robotos. Jerry Garcia, it is. It's the real Jerry Garcia. Now, there's, I guess Phil, he... there's a guy named Phil in The Grateful Dead. He's the other one. Oaks, isn't it? O-C-H, O-C-H-S, isn't that him? Phil no. Oaks. Oh, Weir, isn't it Weir? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, you're right. It's not Phil Weir. Maybe it's the it's drummer not... is. Huh. John Weir. Okay, oh, never now... mind. Do we have to talk to a deadhead now to figure this out? I blame marijuana. I should know the answers right at the tip of my tongue. Right. But you don't have any marijuana, so it's not. Oh, yes, really I do. Nothing's, oh, yes, I do. Nothing's, nothing's registering. Not... Nothing's registering because you have a. Yeah, it's great. It's a good contrast, Carl. You see, they're in human robots, and this is nature. Now, she's a character, I, I don't know, her name's Kathleen Freeman, and uh, she was in vaudeville. You see her on the left there? Yeah. She was, like, with Jerry Lewis in 11 films, like, a, being, a, like, a foil. That's sure. Her. She was in the Blues Brothers. They called her the Penguin. She was, uh... Right, she was the nun? Right. You know, when she was in the new Dragnet and Naked Gun, thirty-three and a third, and she had cameos in Gremlins, and she she's a big deal. Yeah, they got they got a ringer in this movie called the now Big Gun. 
they're calling uh they're calling for Phil. They're looking for Phil. He has he is lost. Phil unit. Phil come. Phil come. Ray's last name is Com. I might be wrong. Their last name is Com. Hi, is Phil there? Two bar. Yeah, fill there, fill my pockets. Hang on, let me check. <laughs> fill there. Phil, fill my pockets. Now there's nobody named that, that name. My pockets. Okay, so they're looking. Okay, wait till you see her. There's her face. You know her now? Yeah, of course. She's in like, uh, I know her from Jerry Lewis movies. I've, I've seen her. <laughs> Ladies, man. No, but in the, I got to tell you, Mike, I watched. That's not really true. I took a look at some clips. I watched right. um, her in those Jerry Lewis films, and uh, she's a young person. She does not look like that. She was in a bunch of those movies, but she had, I know who you're yeah, talking about. Was. I recognize her. Well, let's see uh, here. Wow, they found the uh, cigarette lighter. I was born a cigarette lighter, and now I am sentient. Bleep blorp. <laughs> So they've already started a nuclear family. Yeah, that's our tag. Terrible tag. Now, I this didn't that's... get any Razzies, but the um, 1981 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards really favored them. Um, Wait a minute. The 1981 Stinker Awards? Were yeah, they like the Razzies? Away. They, it's all nominations. This film didn't win any categories. But it was nominated worst picture, worst screenplay, screenplay, most painfully unfunny comedy, worst actor wow. was Andy Kaufman. Most was he bad in this movie? accent. Wow, he won the 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 Covenant, the notorious worst accent award from the Stinkers. No, no, just nominated, and it's the Stinkers, uh, the Stinkers bad movie award. Look, oh. the Razzies won. The Razzies have legs. They're still with us today. The Razzies are the VHS of uh, Betamax competitors. Bingo. Gotcha. Uh, stinkers, you left us too soon. <laughs> Just when Megaforce was coming out, too. Huh? Guys, you blew it. Kroll is coming out next year. You All blew right. it, Stinkers. You blew it, Stinkers. Had you been around for a couple more years. Could have done more movies. I can see the makeup, you know, melting. It must have been smoke. Do you think it's like, do you feel like as an audience member looking at their makeup, you feel like kind of sorry for them? Like it's distracting? Like, yeah, they must be no, a lot of pain. I never am sympathetic with you. You're always looking at the plight of the actor. Like, oh sure. my God, they made him do this. They're uh -huh. mud wrestling. I never emphasize. Oh, These are movie stars. They should earn their money. Listen, Eddie Deason's roommate was not a movie star. He was just supposed to show up to Bugsy's girl. He did That's not know true. he was going to be mud wrestled. That is true. You you yeah. you got me there. Got you there. There's other ones about that film too that were you know the guy getting hung upside down and yeah yeah. But but this is a twelve million dollar budget. It's Bernadette Peters. I do not feel bad that some makeup is caking on her face. 
They yeah, I mean they spent a lot on this makeup too. God, I can't believe they said robots are hot. Make me a <laughs> robot movie. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they did from three p three p. So right now, what's happening? Just like Val made the dumb decision, I am in full control of this vehicle. He's like, I will reason with the bear, right? So he goes in there, say, look and at my non-threatening manner, bear. We would like to share your cave. <laughs> are wow. you damaged yeah a hurt, little hurt pride lost his bow tie uh, no he gave it to Phil that was a locator unit so now if Phil gets lost again I, I should have mentioned he took off his bow tie which was his locator unit and he put it on Phil I apologize for not realizing the plot bear because well, they love Phil. They're starting to, like, Phil is in, Phil is not a unit that can protect himself. We must care for Phil. Oh, interesting. Interesting parody and satire of the, of the modern family. You know, it really is a cute film. Um, yeah. And I don't really think it deserved its bomb as much as you don't invest $12 million in this. I have to say the runtime is a little disconcerting. I mean, it's 87 minutes. Yeah, well, they hated the first cut from this director, Alan Arkush. 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 Alan Arkush. Say it again. So okay. This guy did rock and roll high school. Right. No, I know who he is. He's really funny. With the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's made uh, get, Go Crazy is a good movie. Uh, yeah, he's done some good ones. So it's kind of, you know, I'm not surprised to see he's the one who came up with this. He did Caddyshack, too. I don't know if that's a big deal. But he did El- Elvis Meets Nixon in 97. And I think that was right. <clears throat> he did like a drama called um, Shake, Rattle, and Rock for TV in 94. It was supposed to be the prequel to uh, rock and roll high school. So he was born in Jersey and he went to school in Fort Lee. And when he was went to Ooh. high school in Fort Lee, the director, Alan Urkush, and when he went to, you know, he got inspired to make the film from his experiences in high school. He goes to NYU and who is his professor and advisor? Martin Scorsese. Nice. I thought it was going to be Xavier, uh, Charles <laughs> Xavier, but. That's that's not bad either. Professor X. That's so dark. Uh, What's going on? He worked for Roger Corman, and then he had the opportunity to make rock, rock and Roll High School with the Ramones. And so Roger Corman was like, if you do a good job, you'll never have to work for me again. Because they're like, I think, made it, you know. From what I understand, him and Joe Dante edited the trailers for New World Pictures for Corman. That's exactly right. They made yeah. the trailers. Those two. Yeah, and I, th- I haven't seen Hollywood Boulevard, but they they co-directed a movie early in their careers. Like uh, I don't know if it's a the stock footage of other movies or just like kids mm-hmm. driving up and down Hollywood Boulevard or what have you. But now, uh, by the way, Catskill guy is telling jokes and 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 Phil is loving it, and this a bonding thing will happen between them. And when it comes to the energy and electricity crisis, it'll play out. 
Yeah, you like that, huh? I like it when you like things like that. Because when you're happy, I'm happy. I haven't been this happy since the time I bought a pet skunk. Oh, yeah? My wife said, where do you expect to keep it? I said, under our bed. She said, what about the smell? And I said, he'll have to get used to it, just get like used I did. To it. <laughs> Yeah, just like I did. That's a great tag. <laughs> Once you get the punch sign, keep talking. Hey, hey, so what about the smell? I said, oh, don't worry about the skunk. He'll probably get just to the smell soon enough, but being a skunk under the bed and all. Yeah, he does. Stepping on his punch, he really is. You're right. Yeah. He'll get used to it. You let the audience laugh. And then you go, just like I did. Tag. Tag. Or I, I would recommend a tag of because the smell is actually not from the emanating from the skunk, but it's the actual bed. I let's listen now. Let's listen. Right. Let's listen. Manual click. Put a check. Keep listening. Check <laughs> I have already computed that fact. Keep listening. They get a kiss. They'll get interrupted, and it'll be a, one of the only funny scenes in this film when they're awkward. I'm finished with my shoulder. See if you can fix my pressure center. <laughs> so Bernadette Peters is going to try to fix random impulses. Right, it must be broken. Strong impulses. Sorry to torture you, Mike. All right, you don't have to listen. No, no, let's get to the punchline. There's no, the punchline's coming a ways off. They're going to be all touching each other for a while. Uh, and then the skunk said, don't worry about me. I just need to rest. Here, under the bed that was bought at Celepostropedic. <laughs> Second hand, hence the smell. <laughs> that I got used to as I step on the laughs. It's so funny when you keep talking, they they stop laughing so that they okay, they want to hear the next thing. So they stop. Right. It sucks when you stop your own laugh. You know what I'll do is that once I realize I did that, I'll explain the joke since I had their attention. <laughs> okay, watch this. Watch this. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, ha oh, yes. You did not announce yourself. Data. We were only adjusting each other's exchanging gauges. data. Yes. I gave them a chance to turn themselves in. Uh oh, but did they? No. Zero, zero, no. Listen to this guy. Oh, he does say no. Gosh, too no. Late. Too late. Uh oh, Robert Klein hardware. Well, he was going. <laughs> he was going through like three or four examples. I gave them a chance to turn themselves in, did they? No. It's almost like a Ted, Ted Knight or whatever. Uh huh. Oh yeah, and uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Too so, close for comfort. Yes. Um, I don't know. Alan, the director, said bad movies don't start out as bad movies. L L double double A A F F. Let's watch a 
Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say Mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman, oh, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, oh, Mike Spiegelman, hey, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good. do this again. Ready yes. to go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate at Venmo is, is at Muni Radio. Uh, you can go to mutinyradio.fm and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday. 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also a podcast with the acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it. Carte blank. Carte blank? Blanche. Carte blanche. Separately, but with the, with the video set up. Yeah, you don't have to sync up the our yeah. audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out WAFLMOIT on YouTube. Because LWAFLMOIT is Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. So you're going to listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now. Uh, but unless you're watching on the pod, if you're watching on YouTube, Carl's already synced the movie up. Easy peasy. I handled uh, it. Yeah, we listen. If you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie, you're not doing it properly. You're That's not right. getting the full experience. Nope. Absolutely. We are parasites, and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to, <laughs> to 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 call attention to ourselves for two hours a week. <laughs> so we're going to watch a full length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie, and watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week, we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Actors Filming. It's actors not, Filming. Yeah, it's not cameramen, cameramen acting. It's Actors Filming is the channel we like. You can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and type in Fantastic Four 1994. Look for the uh, version hosted by acting, actors filming. filming. Yeah. Not acting filmers. Actors filming. I was going to say, this is the second time our show has done it. This is the first time with Carl, and uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. 
uh, you know, you start off a show called Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. You go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic <laughs> Four. I don't know. You look for the Chuck Berry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube, and then it got yonked, and now it's back on. It's been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie, the joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this movie, it's just, what can we say? It's a great bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <clears throat> infamously and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994, find the version from hosted by actors filming, hit pause, move the meter to zero, zero, zero. And at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by Carl. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Sure. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I, I haven't had my morning coffee. So... <laughs> I just put well, a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994, the Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays at the end of the year, but I was there, yeah. Now, that's unusual, really. Is that because it was going to be a cover story you spent so much time? Uh, well, it ended up being a cover story. So I was on the set for filming. And, and yeah, um, the, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the, before the end of the year was because contractually, if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year, they would, you know, they would have lost the rights to the Fantastic Four, this German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to... This, yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, yeah, uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie, and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's, between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic you know, uh, franchises that I love the most. So when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So, um, so that would just sort of led me to being on the set the in, almost the entire time, the entire shoot. Which and I don't, we I, did um, Carnosaur on this podcast also, and we it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. Yeah, that's what I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, I'm where in are it. you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of right. I think chickens uh, onto a truck. Yes, towards and the I, beginning. And I, I, my line is I changed it. I said, can, "Can you give me a hand with?" The line was, "Can you give me a hand with this?" And I said, "Can you give me a hand with this load?" Just because I wanted right. to say the word load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it I did worked. it for every take, and it's in the movie. <laughs> okay, I'm so, going to have to watch it again. Yes, absolutely. You. 
So the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place. And I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building, your experience uh, there? I don't, I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly. And I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur, we did a story about that. Then I was, you know, it's like, oh, they're just recycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, <laughs> which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It was just like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. I mean, uh -huh. he's famously cheap. And I, I, I interviewed him once and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye. And we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny just to kind of show how cheap he was. And I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like you can't buy like Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy like whatever the low brand, like local grocery store brand of Coca-Cola was, like whatever, you know, generic brand snacks like don't get fancy snacks you know so i i thought that was really funny that's like that's, that's how how much he was pinching pennies now we saw the uh documentary doom to prepare our research for the film and in it you talk uh -huh. about how like at first you were very giddy to be on the film, I mean, you were a fan, you know, but as time yeah. moved on, you started to realize this was going to be a B-movie. Yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of this sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes, right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes, and it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex. It was literally just spandex where, you know, they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled. The other thing was <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for Film Threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters, right? The main four. And <clears throat> what I loved was their enthusiasm. The actors, Alex Hyde-White, who actually ended up being in the third Indiana Jones movie, who's an established actor, who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting for, uh, he, does, he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared uh -huh. so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four. Just in tone felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four. Right? Yeah. So, so so that was great aspect. And the, the earnestness of everyone involved, with the exception of, I think, Roger Corman, who was just concerned <laughs> with, like, let's just get this done and do it cheap. The thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot. So we had, like, all four characters, right? And we put them against the set, and I hired this photographer for shooting. And um, this is a story that I told that didn't make it into the documentary, by the way. This is, like, a bonus feature here. But the actress, I believe her name is Rebecca Staub. Yeah. She yeah. played Sue Storm, Invisible Girl. And this, let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination. <laughs> and there was 
serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, I don't know, is it, this could be a problem. We're going to have to put text over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to have to cover it up in some way. So... Wow. Yeah. Now, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness? Right? They're homemade. Well, yeah. It's it's it is an excuse to excuse to you know make make them you know and that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which I which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness. And yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm <laughs> should be you know she should be you know a girlfriend who you know will just go away. She can just go away when she turns invisible. She can just disappear. Right? That was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Perfect. I guess. I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like, look, I was a super fan. I'm like, the fact that, you know, I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was, this was the 90s, right? Like, the we're now living in a time, we're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series when who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like, it's like, now there's like so much geek stuff that it's like, oh wow, there's a lot of crappy geek, geek stuff now. But back then it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like, oh my God. And um, yeah, so so it was, it was for me, like it was like summer camp, you know? Because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. like performing. And I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary, too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially, yeah, the 60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, thighs, huge. What, what was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the Thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the Thing costume in real life actually looked pretty good. Like, like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film, and they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, yeah. soul into it. I mean, for them, I mean, sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like I know they were paid, but at the end. I guarantee they didn't really make weren't weren't paid what what you know the time that was put into it, and I think that they looked at on it as like well this is going to be this is for us going to be stone. like a portfolio piece right like and they really really just put a lot of effort in that costume they tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics, and I, I would say that it's more accurate than the you know other Fantastic Four film that came out later and then the one that came out you know more recently. Um, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like, those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. With and the to the brow. Comic book is, mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the brow and everything. Like, they got that right. It, it, it moved, you know, in certain places. And so, you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it, was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now, that guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge yeah. stuntman. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? 
Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. He he had problems with it, right? Like it was, you know, I mean, you sign up to be a monster in a costume. That's yeah. what you're going to be. You right? should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the yeah. thing. Now, they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more like about blocking. Did you see, what, did you have an impression like uh, this is a little rinky-dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like if it was if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they, they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they were you know portrayed in the comic book i'm fearful that this they keep talking about a new fantastic four movie i think i think based on sort of the direction that marvel's going i think it'll be pretty awful uh, mm. i really don't have a lot of faith in it but this is this was but if this were a movie to be released in theaters i think it would be kind of lackluster i mean you know johnny storm doesn't really even turn into fully the human torch until the very <laughs> end of the movie right one sort of last shot that was very early digital before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like, think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And and I think they knew that. You could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic. Like, they were writing around having to do special effects, right? So um, that was sort of a – that was a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also, um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he – Yes, I, he, I mean Stan is. I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's gonna gonna be there and be a part of it. So yeah, he was on the set, but it was more just a glad hand, and yeah. I think that gave people confidence too. Yeah, because like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement, and I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation. That it was really about this German company holding on to the rights. Uh, you know, so so what can you say? But. But you know that was this is pre like Marvel being Marvel, right? This yeah. is Stan Lee just like trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were there were you know there were television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent. There like was the Captain Hulk show. America on a bike, right? On a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah that's right. all, Cannon all film. Captain America movie. Don't remind me. But then there was also like. The television series there was um spider-man you know, there was the bill bixby hulk show yeah. with Frigo. Yeah. that was fun it wasn't like you know it wasn't the hulk that we have now for marvel right but it was hey it was it was a tragic fun sort of you know dr jekyll and mr hyde story right and then there was the nicholas hammond spider-man show right in the 70s which nicholas hammond by the way has a cameo at the end of spider-man no way home Oh, oh, he's hey. in it. Everyone talks about, oh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Hey, I noticed Nicholas Hammond was <laughs> in it. So Nicholas Hammond is in the in at the very end of Spider-Man: No Way Home. Uh, uh, you, you see, they're in they're in the diner, and you know Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop, and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nic kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director. Who directed um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Now we, so Quentin Tarantino, put him in there, and he plays the director who directs the western, and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. 
That's kind of so. neat, neat. So, so uh, there was a uh, two-part Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and, and released in Europe as a as a feature. Yeah, uh, we and we it. saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun, you know. Wow. Yeah, cheap. It was good. Now, was... I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film, and it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi... The Marvel guy, that was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do do you agree? Yeah, I think that I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it, and and that was it. I mean, obviously, I got a bootleg copy of it years later, but I also did a thing where we, um, we took the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them did a signing at the Film Threat booth in at San Diego Comic-Con, and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like 2,000 issues of that comic. A lot of people had already haven't had an issue of it, and they signed every single one, That's and uh, the cast was great. I th- the year later that Comic-Con did a rule, like, we have to have an autograph area. We can't have people <laughs> clogging up the you aisles. You guys did that. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, That's one. No, it, Anyway, so that was that was like a delight to like have them all there, and th- what was weird was just how enthusiastic those those main actors were. You know, I saw that in that documentary that yeah. the enthusiasm of the crew, like they did everything. They promoted the hell out of that movie at every convention. They were the voice of that movie, and you know, a fan on their like own my, dime. Yeah, on their own dime, and like a fan like myself would get excited because there really is such a thing, and there's such enthusiasm to it. I mean, I was excited, you know, like I like I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would, you know, there'd be a Fantastic Four movie made. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, that's crazy. I so, remember reading the comics, uh, you know, at 11 years old, 10 years old, thinking they should make these into movies. You know, why aren't they doing that? You know, well, they had the cartoon well, show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there was the animated Fantastic Four cartoon. There were two of them, one in the 60s, which used the Human Torch, and then Another one that came later, yeah. I think it was in the late 70s, right. where they had Herbie the Robot because they were afraid kids were going to light themselves on fire to oh. be a human torch, which I guarantee you Marvel is going to address that in some way. Like, they're trying to figure out how do we do the Fantastic Four and not, like, have kids light themselves Wait, on wow. fire, and then how do you make it practical? Like, okay, if he ignited himself on fire and was in the kitchen that I'm in right now, that would probably destroy and melt the kitchen. He could, you know what I mean? Like, yes. there's just sort of practical real world things. Okay, if you're gonna have these characters now exist in the real world, how do they, how does it work? Now, did Film Threat go on to do an article to cover the fact that Fantastic Four would not be released? Did you follow up? Well, the, we never did because we could we could never get any answers, right? Uh-huh. You know, we did that cover story, and I remember, um, uh, I, I remember Tony Timpone from Bangoria magazine called me out of the blue and said, "Ah, oh, you really scooped this on that one," because I'd been doing stories where because I was in Hollywood, I could just go to the sets of these movies, and we covered Carnosaur, and you know, we just we're getting access to like low budget indie movies, which is kind of film threats, bread and butter. I mean, we cover independent film, right? So, I mean, Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker. Yeah. And they went to Troma, too, uh, at first. Troma said no, right? I mean, the documentary taught me that. Right, right. So, 
So, uh, you know, but we didn't know. I mean, we just did the story and I wanted to be very comprehensive. I grew up reading Cinefantastic Magazine and Starlog and, and uh, you know, Fangoria. And, and I read all those magazines as a kid. I was, I was a magazine junkie. At, a, at you know at the time at, in that era and i think at one point i had 50 magazine subscriptions this is before yeah. the internet yeah yeah, this yeah. before That's the internet right. and just so people who may not know magazines are like the internet but on really thin slices of wood and yeah. you can read them <laughs> That's a good way to well, say you, it. you know this podcast exists for, yeah we, we we're doing this podcast because i used to read psychotronic yeah. video all the time yeah and i love like that shock magazine. Video. yeah love it and I would I say, oh my that God. Magazine. That, I, I, and then just like, there were so many great ones at the time. And I just wanted to be, Film Threat sort of had its own niche, which was indie film, right? That was our, that was what we focused on. And sometimes that crossed over into genre stuff. So um, certainly a lot of, you know, low budget underground film 